2: Get Coors Light in the new look, delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing
1: Company, Golden, Colorado. Try to get by Benning. Darnell Nurse left it in the corner.
2: Gets up, center. Perry! Corey
1: Perry. Will able to take away?
2: From it's giving away this-
1: All right, we are back with a second straight win after losing what? 12 in a row. Somehow <laughs> it's a new streak. Yeah, we're going <laughs> streaking for a second time. This time it's actually something we want to happen, but yeah. they, the Ducks scrape away with a 3-2 victory over the New Jersey Devils. Scrape is the uh, the ultimate word here, considering they finished the game with 14 shots on goal, Uh yeah. just a weird one. Yeah,
2: yeah, they, they tripped over that finish line just just barely ahead of New Jersey on that one. That was uh, not, not textbook, we'll say, uh, as far as wins go.
1: No, not at all. But uh, <laughs> John Gibson, of course, the starter in net. Uh, Mackenzie Blackwood has been the starter for the New Jersey Devils as of late because uh, Keith Kincaid has kind of fallen off the wagon a bit, and Corey Schneider has been either bad or hurt all year. So Mackenzie Blackwood is the starter for them. Uh, big news of the I guess, the last couple days is Andre Kasha is on the IR now. So the injuries continue to pile up. He joins Kessler and Silverberg. Um, so you've got a guy who has 11 goals in Silverberg. You've got Andre Kasha, who's been just doing everything, including putting the puck in the back of the net. Now they're both out. And Eric Stevens just tweeted out that he saw that Andre Kasha has his arm in a sling. So good news, not a concussion. Bad news, his arm's in a sling and he's on the IR.
2: Oh my gosh, all right, we just got we got to get to the All-Star break and our break and just take some time to get healthy again. Fortunately, we have like no All-Stars, so everyone gets a rest except Kibby again.
1: <laughs> Pretty much, and and guess who comes in for Andre Kasha? Uh, Justin Kluse comes in Kloos. for Andre Kasha, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Wow, that's, uh, I don't think that's going to make the same impact, but hey, Justin Kluse is a very good AHL player. Uh, he, yeah, you said he got bodied in this game.
2: Oh, he got lit up. I was surprised. That I think it was in the third period they'd said, yeah, he's only played like five minutes or something. And I'm all, really? I've seen him three times get murdered out there. Like he just, he, every time he, he touched the puck or got near it, he just was getting decked. And it wasn't by big guys either. I think told Mary decked him on one. Uh, so, I mean, it's, it's not the, the biggest of guys, you know, taking him out on him, but man, pick your head up <laughs> be ready for it. They're, they're going to hit
1: you. <laughs> Uh, Matt Matt says he loves the Amish tribute beard you've got going today.
2: Oh uh, yeah, well uh, I don't have to. <laughs>
1: I have to work for a
2: couple more days. This is how it kind of goes. Once I get to the weekend, uh, all bets are off. So uh, yeah, we won. So this is it after you know just a couple of days. It's it's our uh, streak beard. It's That's the, what I got going.
1: Yeah, the, the <laughs> trying to get into the playoffs. Hey, the Ducks are holding down a playoff spot. So they barely. are now. Uh, yeah, first... we'll see
2: what Minnesota does later. But yeah. yeah.
1: They're holding down the first wild card <laughs> spot for at least a couple hours uh, by one point. Um, but in the absence yeah. of Andre Cash, Sam Carrick was called up from the AHL. So San Diego Gulls are just getting decimated at this point with <laughs> with Terry Jones. And now Sam Carrick have been playing really well for them. I'm not even sure if Sam Carrick's going to get in. I mean, he probably gets in over Cluse, But, uh, I oh, mean, yeah. th- th- there's, n- there's nobody else you can call up right now. That's it. But Pontus Abreg was traded away. Could you yeah. use him right now, right?
2: Yeah, I mean, is Sam still an option still?
1: Maybe. I mean, they left him down there for a reason. I, I guess that uh, that says it a little bit that they don't trust yeah. to call him up, right? Or they don't think he's exactly ready, so they go for Sam Kerrig instead.
2: Yeah, or they don't really want to just
1: <laughs> give, yeah. take away all the top players in San Diego. I'm thinking
2: that's probably it. San Diego's like, oh, come on. We, we, we got a, you know, a point streak going here, too. <laughs>
1: Yeah, and it, it's tough, but the Ducks had a little bit of a boost, I guess you could say, because Taylor Hall, not in the lineup for the New Jersey Devils, out with injury. And Miles Wood, also out with injury, who, not a big, obviously not a big name like Taylor Hall, but Miles Wood has actually been a pretty good player for the New Jersey Devils all season, especially as of late. So a big boost there, because not only are the Ducks suffering injuries, the, the Devils have two of their best players out as well
2: yeah and you you can't replace a taylor hall normally anyways but especially on new jersey uh last year i mean he he won the heart uh last year uh this dude was like twice as many points as the next person on his team or close to it um and that was kind of the the problem with new jersey is you know in the, the preseason we were picking out where they might end up it was just it was just all hall i mean without hall this team's got not a whole lot going through Palmieri's good uh, but you know, and then after that, it, it just really kind of falls off quite a bit. So Hall was a big, mm-hmm. big loss for them. They've had a lot of struggles recently, um, and they're they're looking forward to their their break, and then and they get the break before the All Star break, and then the All Star break. So
1: not too bad, but of course, Paul, Kyle Palmieri, I guess, is now the de facto leader and uh, veteran in that locker room because they don't have anybody (laughs) at all up front, to be honest, that's going to do anything for them. But let's get into the first period here because that was pretty much the only eventful period of this game. Uh, Very, very, very slow start by both Oh, (laughs) Oh, my
2: God. Snails pace.
1: Five or six minutes into the game, there's only one shot on goal and it's for the Ducks. And then the New Jersey Devils get their first shot on goal, which just so happens to be the first goal of the game. And uh, this was a tough one because I would like to put this on Jakob Larsson's shoulders because Jesper Bratt makes a good pass to Marcus Johansson down low. And Johansson makes a great move to the back end to put it past Gibson. But this is Jakob Larsson's guy. He kind of lets Johansson slip right in behind him. I saw a lot of people giving some blame to Cam Fowler, but he's trying to play the pass. And, and Jakob Larson, yeah. I know he's thinking maybe Brat will shoot. But that doesn't mean you yeah. just let the other guy get behind you. Adam Henrique had the coverage. Uh, I got to put it on Jakob Larson. He, he's been doing that a lot as of late.
2: It's tough. It's a three-on-two. Uh, Larson, you know, still, still very, very young rookie, uh, you know, trying to, you know, figure out certain plays. Uh, But like you said, everything was kind of just really slow to begin with. And that was the real first kind of odd man chance that anyone really had. And uh, yeah, you, you maybe give that away, but if he commits too much to that one, uh, to Johansson, I can see, um, I can see Brett coming, having a walk in at the the top of the crease. And even though Henrique was coming back, I don't think he probably would have caught him, you know, maybe he might've. And so maybe play the odds. I think, uh, you know, try and make them to make a pass but it, it, it was a tough situation all the way around and give you know johansen credit he did a good move from his forehand his backhand and and roofed it on on gibby from in tight uh it sucked <laughs> but I, i'm not willing to put too much of a, a blame on the the rookie there it's a three on two the back check wasn't quite there to pick up uh Brat uh, uh pratt or bratt I keep saying pratt uh but it wasn't it wasn't uh, all Larson's fault in my opinion. He did the best where he could in that situation, but it, it, he was kind of in trouble anyways.
1: Yeah, Jesper Brad had a good game, and, and at that point, when you're in Larson's decision, you kind of got to decide if you're going to take the shot or take the pass, oh, I and I, I think he kind of was struggling with that decision a bit, and he couldn't really decide. But the Ducks came back not too much longer later. Uh, An mm-hmm. interesting play by Adam Henrique. He throws the puck on the, on the yeah. net with a backhand, Seems to hit Nick Ritchie because he does get credit with the primary assist, so I think it hits him in yeah. in the leg or the skate. And it pops yeah. out to Daniel Sprong, who continues his hot streak as of late, puts him his seventh <laughs> of the season. Uh, safe to say the Ducks won this trade because Daniel Sprong has been nothing but great for this team. And uh, yeah. not to say Marcus Pedersen hasn't been good for the Pittsburgh Penguins, but Daniel Sprong, Johnny yeah. on the spot for his seventh of the year.
2: <laughs> I was just going to say that, as uh, Allers as said. <laughs> Johnny on the spot. Uh, gets right in there, and then Ruth said that you know it was good. He, he was kind of patient, kind of went down to one knee, but you know he picked this spot, which was good. Instead of just oh jam at it, it's like I, I got it. I'm gonna kind of put it over there. So he showed a little bit of poise and patience with that shot. Uh, found a, a spot over the glove, and he kind of feel a little bit bad for uh, Blackwood, uh, especially as the game kind of moves on. He doesn't see a whole lot uh, this whole game, uh, but that that's one. It's like ah. Almost had that glove there, but just kind of snuck underneath. He, he, it was put in a good spot, and Johnny on the spot
1: buried it. I had to throw it in there. You got to throw it yeah, in the always sure. quotes whenever you can. Uh, <laughs> the best part about this, though, is the Devils will challenge for offside, and then they'll lose, and the Ducks actually get a power play out of it, which before this season, I don't think I'd ever seen this. I'm not 100% sure if it's a new rule for this year, but I don't remember ever seeing this, and now we've seen it happen twice. Uh, but it pays off because they get the power play and Troy Terry walks Mm. in down on the right circle and just wires a wrist shot in front great screen by Devin shore and Troy Mm -hmm. Terry gets his first NHL goal.
2: Yay. Finally. Uh, Yeah. To, to your point about the uh, challenge, it is new this year where if they challenge the offsides and they're wrong, it's a penalty. They don't lose their timeout but it is a penalty. You can still challenge goal-tending interference, but if you lose that, there's no penalty, but you lose your time out. So they kind of right. changed things up because they got tired of everyone trying to do little bits of offside. So now it's yeah, like, listen, exactly. if you're going to do that, you better make damn sure because we're already kind of tired of everyone doing it. So uh, they, they do it. They kind of had a case a little bit, but it, it was kind of inconclusive. It was weird. It's like Henrik yeah. Skate kind of went in, kind of went out, but like you couldn't really see on one side to the other. So uh, didn't overturn it, and how awesome is that? Uh, Troy Terry gets it. He has looked like just a completely different player since he's been called up, uh, from when he was at the beginning of the season, when he played a little bit, uh, you know, last season, um, he's confident. He's, he's taking that time. He's got a good shot and he just took advantage of it. And, uh, it was a good screen, uh, in front as well. Uh, was number 29. Devin Shore. Steven Shore. He had a great screen in front. Cause even the goal went in. If you look at blackbird, uh, blackwoods reaction, he looks back around. He's, uh, uh, not quite sure if it went in, where the puck was So he, he definitely didn't see it And it goes right over his uh, stick uh, In the top corner So great shot, great screen, uh, good goal And New Jersey, better, better think about those challenges next time
1: yeah, yeah. That th- I think that's one people are still getting used to is that kind of trying to remember that if you challenge it, you're going to give up a, a power play to the other team. And, and of course, mm-hmm. in, in this instance, this is the perfect scenario where the, it ends up being a good goal for the Ducks. Then they get a power play and score off of it. I mean, that's what I guess this was designed for, that if you mm-hmm. d- if it's a, a like a challenge and it fails, the other team gets a little bit of an advantage for them wasting it instead of just losing the timeout. And then they get a, a goal from it. But Devon Shore... Had a great game yeah. yesterday because he drove the mm-hmm. net. Or not yesterday, but two games ago. Yeah. Uh, and he drove the net and got ended up getting an assist on Ricard Raquel's goal. Gets promoted to the first line tonight with Getzlaff and Raquel and has another good game. And he, he was getting some power play time, which is something we don't necessarily see from him. I mean, that power play was Devin Shore, yeah. Troy Terry, and Max Jones all on mm-hmm. that power play. And uh, he's looked good. He, he's looked good on the penalty kill. And then getting the power play time, he's, he's making use of it.
2: Yeah. Uh, I mean, he's he's a versatile guy as well. So, I mean, the, the trade straight up for Cogliano was, you know, kind of a head scratcher because we didn't know much about Shore and, you know, uh, exactly what he brought. You know, brought similar um, skill set. Uh, I think the main difference between the two is just Cogliano was more speed sure yeah. is a bigger body and one that's going to drive to the net where we really haven't seen a whole lot of that from any ducks really for most of the season uh, and it's kind of paying off well the fact that it was a second power play because we watched the first power play unit go out there i think for like 40 seconds that uh, new jersey was more or less controlling the play in our end and it just looked god-awful horrible so the second line goes out there gets to work and then buries it and then uh, i think their second power play Carlisle sends a message and puts out that second line first. So, uh, yeah, to park your butt in front of the net, it, it is so difficult for goalies to see around screens like that, and especially if you got some legitimate shooters and the power play starting to click a little bit for the Ducks.
1: When you've got three guys who are regularly on the power play, uh, Kessler, <laughs> Silverbrick and Kasha, out of the lineup, you're going to mm-hmm. have to experiment a bit with that second unit. Um, I, I don't mm-hmm. know if that's – I think right now that could be a unit they just continue to go with. Obviously, scoring a goal helps. But they didn't look that bad. It's it's always nice to have two kids who are used to being on the power play down in San Diego, bring them up and throw them on the second unit and hope some of that chemistry can help out. And then again, uh, Devin Shore, uh, his job on that second unit is similar to what Nick Ritchie does on the top unit. He's supposed to go to the front of the net and, and put his body there. And honestly, the the broadcasting crew thought it was Max Jones because that's mm-hmm. usually the position that he's in. But he was also <laughs> in a great position for a rebound if that shot was to come back out. So just... A great unit for them. Uh, to finish off the first, just a couple penalties. Nothing really going on the, on the power play for the Ducks after that on their second try. Yeah. Uh, the Devils had a power play, but the Ducks' penalty kill, especially Rowney and Shore, did a really good job of killing that off. Ducks finished mm-hmm. the first up 2-1. Shots 8-7. A very good period. Probably the only good period they had in this entire game. But a solid period coming off a, what was a questionable game the last game where john gibson really held the minute and they came out and they showed that they really belonged and deserved to be leading after one
2: yep they they did that for one period yeah
1: one (laughs) one period yeah
2: and into the second and uh, a lot of the uh, old uh, demons came back and oh boy and uh the savior was there once again
1: yeah John, john gibson uh i guess i was gonna say as of late but then i correcting myself all year he's been doing this especially in the second period the ducks got destroyed in the second period against the wild uh they got destroyed in the second period of this one they're actually able to somehow hold on to a one goal lead which i I don't know how because they were outshot 14 to 3 in this period which is just ridiculous uh early in the first gibson has to deny Severson on a half breakaway then zaka tips a shot that is about two inches from hitting the yeah. post and crossing the line, that was. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that that's just, and especially
2: for a team that I think they lost their last two games, four to one. They had a closed door meeting, uh, players only, to try and really kind of break themselves out of this, uh, and to 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 play so well and get so close on so many plays. It just, uh, you know, if, if uh, I wasn't so desperate for ducks wins, I, I'd almost feel bad for them. Because they were they were really close on a lot of plays. And, and that one, you know, it squeaks by and just somehow rolls right past the post and away. We'll and take we get it.
1: To, we get to see something <laughs> we haven't seen in a while that we've talked about from Josh Manson that we've really wanted to see. He gets in a fight with, I think this might have been Nathan Bastian's first game. I know he's a rookie this year for the New Jersey Devils. But mm-hmm. Bastian comes in with a late hit, probably should have been a penalty. Manson's not happy, and he actually gets in a fight. This is what we've wanted to see nah. from Josh Manson. That edge to his game hasn't been there. Probably a split decision. He won the first part of the fight, and then, obviously, uh, Bastion scores the takedown, which generally what yeah. people like to assume that's why he won the fight. But they both landed yeah. some good shots. But it's nice to see this from Josh Manson.
2: Yeah, and especially in this game, one of the things that I was kind of surprised, and this is kind of one of the things that the New Jersey coach kind of called his players out on a little bit, is to be more engaged physically. And I felt New Jersey was far more physical. They they were definitely throwing the body uh, around uh, at anybody. Getzloff took a couple of big hits, uh, and they they seemed to be a more physical team. And then this was just kind of one of those other plays where it just kind of went after Manson. Not, nothing wrong, maybe a little bit late, but I think what Manson was probably more upset was not was it late, but then the elbow kind of comes around and kind of like it almost like bends his head back and slides it across there. So you could have gotten you know maybe a late hit and it could have been an elbowing, but uh, the ref wasn't going to call it. So Manson did something about it. Uh they're kind of up against the, the wall and he gets like he just keeps doing like the left punch that keeps kind of hitting the dude. And then I think that the the guy what was his name? I already forgot his name. Nathan Bastion. Uh, yeah, so he uh, he actually ends up getting one good punch there at the end, as far as the ta- right before the takedown, and uh, kind of the interesting thing is I saw um, uh, the New Jersey guy in the the penalty box, and he's constantly kind of he was kind of like shaking his jaw back and forth from the rabbit punches, but then uh, Manson actually leaves the penalty box and goes to uh, the locker room. He doesn't play for the rest of the second.
1: Yeah, he ends up cutting mm. his hand, I think. Like I think he got a fat
2: him. lip. I, th- I mean, they, they ended Possibly, up showing, like, a yeah. close-up of him in the third, and he had, like – like it was, like, weird. It was, like, one of those fat lifts. Like, either you get punched or a uh, puck kind of hits it, but doesn't really, like, loose teeth or anything like that. So I don't know if that was it. I was worried about maybe a concussion because yeah. he kind of – when he got up, he, he almost went into the other penalty box, and it seemed all kind of late. So I didn't know if there was doing, like, concussion protocol, and I was worried about that. But – I was good to see him. He does come back in the third, but uh, it was like, not not another thing. Not another injury. I always no, worry about, like, no. broken fingers or broken <laughs>
1: hands. Because, like, he he landed a couple shots to Bastion's helmet, too. So you always mm-hmm. worry about that when he goes off. Luckily, he's back. Because yeah. that's what we, I mean, at this point, they're calling up uh, Holzer. Or somebody <laughs> yeah. else to fill that role. Oh, no. So... Yeah. Luckily, he's okay. Um, Ice Tigers forever said, let's just say thank you, Gibby, and close the book and move on. Pretty much <laughs> the rest of this period was just a couple penalty kills for the Ducks, which they actually did pretty well in, but it was a lot of just the play of John Gibson again making some crucial saves. Um, yeah. Ducks come out of this, like I said, outshot 14-3, to 3, still leading 2-1, but total shots were 22-10. to 10. Um, wow. I, I don't understand how this team can string together two straight wins after a 12 game losing streak where they seemed like they got no luck. And now they mm-hmm. get all the bounces and a ton of luck and then some great play from John Gibson to boot. And they win mm-hmm. two games in a row. which is it's unreal. Yeah. Um, and they're getting
2: more timely goal scoring, which they couldn't get before. You can say, hey, new faces, everyone trying to impress, trying to keep, you know, stay on the team. Uh, but yeah, it's, you know, that in the past, they weren't quite getting those chances. And if they did, they seemed to just miss them. They never went in. They're kind of going in now. But you still cannot play this way. I mean, yeah, we beat Minnesota, but Minnesota is not a real hot team. They're a bubble team like us. New mm-hmm. Jersey is yeah. you know, the bottom of their division or close to last in their division. Yeah. Uh, they're struggling. So, I mean, even though we're, we're eking out these wins, um, we're getting timely scoring and just really just, you know, keeping that horseshoe <laughs> in the back of the net there with uh, Gibson in there.
1: A bigger game tomorrow against the New York Islanders who, yes. uh, no, like, nobody thought they were actually going to be a good team this year, but they are. They uh, kind of
2: did. Well, you know, I thought so. I, I didn't think they'd be at the top of their division like they are. Yeah. Uh, but I remember when we were doing a review, you and Pat really didn't like him, and nope. I really thought their biggest problem was going to be how how poorly they defended. Their the goaltending was the worst. Their defense was the worst. Yeah. Uh, and then Barry Trotz came in, and that's one of the things he's pretty good at is being able to kind of change how they do it in certain situations and really kind of help propel that team a little bit. And it helps that their goaltending has been outstanding as well on top of that. But, you know, Barry Trotz, I mean, if there's one guy you would say, there's a coach that can go into almost any team at this point and make a contender out of them. I mean, his track record's amazing with Nashville, Washington, now the Islanders, uh, when you could have easily written off the Islanders for losing John Tavares. So,
1: yeah, and amazing. Derek asked, do you think, I mean, we'll get to this. I mean, we got to finish the rest of this game, too. But I want to ask this question because he does say, do you think Gibby's going to be starting? We'll get to that after the rest of the third period because uh, there's a question if he could or not. And we'll break down the Islanders game as well because it is a kind of an important matchup with them yeah. both being a Matt Nagy and the Ducks don't get a lot of rest. But let's go into this third period. Uh, again, not much happened. Obviously, there was two goals, but it was kind of a lackluster period. Early on, John Gibson had to make another couple of good mm. saves where he was keeping yeah. the Ducks in it. Um, but the Ducks are able to break through on a great play by Troy Terry to everybody's favorite returning Anaheim Duck, Derek Grant. <laughs> and uh, Elite! It, it's a great pass by Troy Terry. It's yeah. great awareness to find Derek Grant in the slot, and he just wires it bar yes. down into the top corner. Uh, for some reason, Derek Grant just plays great in a Ducks uniform. Everywhere else, not, not to say he was bad in Pittsburgh, and not to say he was bad before, but for some reason, yeah. playing with the Ducks, he just seems <laughs> to be able to just take it up to another level, and Troy Terry had himself a game tonight, like you said, first first NHL goal, first multi-point game, uh, just a great effort. First both points. Yeah. yeah, and this line, the kids with Derek Grant, somehow it's just working out.
2: Yeah, uh, yeah. uh, Derek Grant does a good job here because he's he's almost kind of covered, and then slides into a real soft area. And he doesn't waste any time when that pass gets to him, and he puts it in a great spot. There's nothing the goalie's going to do on that one. That's pretty much uh, bar down. And uh, Troy Terry does a great job of, of. Starting the play out from his own end, getting it in, doing a four check. You know, he's using his speed a lot more to get in on that four check. I saw a couple times he was able to kind of get on top of there and be able to get that puck and then throw it right out there. Great pass, great shot. I mean, it's just kind of what you want to see. That line, in my opinion, the last two games has probably been the best line out there. I mean, at least mo- yeah. at least the most consistent and if not the most energy line out of anything. So it's, it's great to see weird. None of these guys have a whole <laughs> lot of games under their belt with the yeah. Ducks this season. And they're coming in and kind of uh, putting up the goals when it's needed the most.
1: It's, it's great that they're able to come up. Three, like Obviously, one comes in through a trade, two come up from San Diego, and they're able to mm-hmm. find chemistry right off the bat. That's huge for the Ducks to be able mm. to do that. Nobody has to move around. You put them together, there's automatic chemistry there. We thought there could be if, if Jones and Terry got put together because obviously they've been playing together in San Diego, so there's some yeah, of pop, that. Pop. But I think just Derek Grant, just the two way play he has, and and he just seems he's always seemed to be able to mesh with pretty much anybody. That was something everybody kind of applauded him for with when mm-hmm. he was in his first tenure with the Ducks, is that he moved in and out of the lineup, up and down the lineup, and he seemed to just work everywhere he went. Um, so, but mm-hmm. they've just had chemistry, which has been great because with other with a lot of guys going out of the lineup, Silverberg out kasha out kessler out all the other lines have been kind of had to be shifted around you have sprong moving up and down you've got shore up on a new line so it's nice to have one line that's able to click like right off the bat
2: yeah and all the goal scorers today like you said sprong he had zero goals before he came over to the ducks he's got seven now uh, grant uh he's scoring and terry scoring so i mean these are not the familiar uh names that ducks fans are used to uh and they needed every single one of those ones
1: Everybody in the chat is talking about how the Colorado Avalanche are just obliterating the LA Kings right now. It's right, seven, yeah. <laughs> 7 nothing before the end of the second. It's a six-goal second period for wow. the Colorado Avalanche. Uh, good, good day for Ducks fans. They Scrape up a 3-2 win, and then right after that, <laughs> right after the morning game, you get to watch a nice afternoon game of the LA Kings just getting absolutely obliterated in their quest for Jack Hughes.
2: Uh, yeah, right. I wonder
1: if like the Ducks
2: players are actually just sitting back and just just enjoying it. <laughs> it's just like, hey, we got to win. Let's relax a little bit before we actually get out of here. and Let's watch this game.
1: <laughs> oh, feeling game. a little bit better right now. Yeah. yeah it's, it's, right? <laughs> if you can call it a game right now. Uh, yeah, to quotations. finish the rest of this third period, the Ducks almost lost it because mm. they couldn't clear. I was like, they just—I don't know how they didn't get that out. It was like it was like half-assing
2: everything, and this is kind of part of the problem that they run into every now and again. They just slip back into this routine where it's—I saw so many plays where it was just—you know—they didn't quite chip it out, didn't quite kind of follow through. They threw it back to defenseman who was kind of not ready for it. Uh, I saw Lindholm one time just take the puck and do a slap shot all the way down. No one around him just decided to take a slap shot. You know, I don't know if he was trying to hit the goalie with it or not, and it's just stupid little plays that just keep the puck in the zone if you don't know for goalies you have to have that break that minute or two break where the puck goes somewhere else and you don't have to be on your toes you don't have to be up down you don't have to be moving sideways You not to be tensing up that wears you out and that's where goals start to happen is when goalies start to get fatigued because that puck doesn't leave for two minutes you're constantly on edge you're constantly using all your muscles especially lower body and core muscles it's just it, it will wear on you after a while, especially in the third period. We've already played two of the periods, so. And I, I wasn't really thrilled with the way Fowler played. He took a cross-checking uh, penalty on this yeah. one. Uh, he took a hooking penalty uh, as well. It was just I watched him. He just he's not having really good games since he came back.
1: Um, he's he's
2: kind of been a little disappointing in that area.
1: Yeah, and I, th- I think a lot of people, we have a lot of questions later that, that are talking yeah. about Fowler for, for that exact reason. But it was a great pass by Butcher to get over to Bratt. And Bratt was probably the most dangerous devil. Maybe him or Kyle Palmer you could say. But he was definitely the most effective tonight, potting his, yeah. his goal and second point of the night. Nothing John Gibson can do. Even Hampus Linton played that two-on-one perfectly. He was blocking the yeah. pass, which would have been a backdoor, easy tap-in. But uh, that shot is just perfect, nothing you can do. And with 55 seconds left, it really felt like somehow yeah. the Devils were going to get their way back into it. Because the Ducks missed the, net, <laughs> the empty net three times. And then Derek oh, had yeah. a wraparound that got oh, blocked so on Yeah, the, on the, uh, the dumping attempt. So I, I'm, somehow they, they scraped it on one.
2: Yeah, that Brat goal, um, it was uh, not much You Gibby can do. It is a two on one. Brat was there, but what Brat did really, really well is at no point did he actually even look at Gibson or the net. His head was all the way to the left looking past, and then he just roofed it top corner. Yeah. So that, that whole misdirection and from that spot and that good of a shot, a goal, he's got to try and react to get that glove up there. And it's just if you're not expecting it and he doesn't give you any signs, a shot's coming, and then all of a sudden it's off his stick. It's really tough if he puts in a good spot. You're kind of hoping you're blocking as much, but that one you kind of just go, that was a damn good shot. Yeah. And then, yeah, I really wish uh, Grant had gotten that one because he hustled his ass to uh, you know, negate an icing, beat the guy there, pulled it back out, tried to get it in, and just goes right across the, the crease there and doesn't quite go yeah. in. I was like, oh, that would have been good. But you kind of think, like, oh, crap, I wonder if that's going to come back and bite us.
1: They just they they never have seemed been able to score on the empty net. They had a couple <laughs> of dumping attempts where they missed the net. I think they had about four or five chances on it, but yeah. it doesn't hurt them because somehow so, John someway they <laughs> they get the three two victory, getting outshot thirty one to fourteen. I don't know if this is a season low in shots for the Ducks, but it's got to be pretty close. I know they've been pretty low before, but I mean fourteen yeah. is just ridiculous. John Gibson, I would say, first star of the game. Eh, Maybe Troy Terry you could put up there as well because he had himself a game. But once again, I mean, John Gibson is one of the deciding factors in in getting the Ducks a win. And who would have thought? The Ducks win two in a row, and the reason they win two in a row is John Gibson. So that's the way the streak (laughs) was going to end. We talked about it. The only way the Ducks are going to uh, break that 12-game losing streak is John Gibson was going to have to stand on his head, and the Ducks were going to have to get some luck. And that's what they've had the last two games.
2: Yeah. Uh, yeah. Gibson pretty much can't let up goals and the Ducks have to find some way to score goals. Those two things. And then uh, as far as, yeah, only generating 14 shots, somehow they get three goals on that. Uh, 14 shots. Colorado's probably going to score 14 goals in their game. So the fact that the Ducks can only muster <laughs> up like 14 shots is uh, you're not going to win a lot of games uh, that way. But uh, when you got Gibby back there, just making
1: all the right stops at all the right times, we'll
2: take it. I don't care at this point. <laughs>
1: no exactly and let's get into the post game stuff and and the first one that we mentioned briefly earlier was that andre kasha is on the ir put on the ir just before the game today we knew that he had an upper body injury that was announced earlier but didn't know how Mm -hmm. serious it is uh hopefully it's not long term because they didn't say day to day week to week i'm sure they're evaluating it a little bit more uh but the the fact his arm in his sling isn't a good sign and, you know, since coming back, he's got 11 goals and 9 assists in 30 games. He's been an effective player for the Ducks. How, how big of a loss is this for them? I mean, how are they going to get over this?
2: It's tough because, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm sorry, even though, you know, Troy Terry's having a, a good time and Jones and Grant, that's good. Um, but really, the, the top line didn't look nearly as effective as it has uh, I mean, anytime you take out your top two goal scorers and you, you move them out through injuries, especially Kasha, who has that speed that I think is tops on the team, uh, the tenacity and he'll do four checking as well. Uh, so it's it, not only the goal scoring aspect, but just the the dogged hounding of the puck, which is so it can be infectious onto a team. So it's those things that you don't necessarily are going to come up on the stat sheets. So you you hope that it's not too terribly long maybe they do ir to give them some wiggle room as far as bringing people in salary cap room here or there yeah and then you like i said they have you know just a a couple more games and then they go on a long break if he wasn't going to play those games might as well maybe put him on the ir maybe it's a sprain sprains are funny they can be two weeks they can be two months so it's it's tough and you have to wait to Hopefully, hear what Anaheim says, which
1: won't be anything. But. No, just upper body no. injury. <laughs> Yeah, We get all the sure. news and all the behind the scenes stuff from Elliot for and Eric Stevens pretty much because uh, mm-hmm. both of them tweeted out. I think it was Eric Stevens first. I think Lat for came in and, and kind of confirmed it that he had his arm wrestling. Yeah. Uh, hopefully, it's not bad. But I mean, Silverberg's still day to day. We don't know really how long that's going to be because it's almost, yeah. out of, I don't think, a, a week now where he's been out. And Ryan Kessler, that's just IR. There was really no update on that. And, yeah. and with Andre Cache, if we don't get an update tomorrow or the day after, that's just we're just going to have to assume it. it's between long-term and day-to-day. We don't really have any yeah. kind of concrete evidence of what it's going to be like. Patrick Eves yeah. is on his conditioning loan, and I, and I believe he can only play a certain amount of games in San Diego before he has to be called back up. So maybe he's close to returning, but Corey Perry is yeah. still out to presumably March. And now you've got you've got uh, Silverberg, Cache, Perry, and Eves. You've got four right-wingers out of the mm-hmm. lineup. Luckily, they have uh, Daniel Sprong. Luckily, Troy Terry has been called up and been able to replace them on that side. But how long can you go with Troy Terry and Daniel Sprong as your top two right wings on on this team? Nothing against those guys. They have been very good, but that's tough to deal with, especially the way Silverberg was playing and Kasha was playing and even how much Perry and Eves could improve this team right now.
2: Yeah, uh, everyone else is going to kind of have to... To uh, step up, that that hasn't been the case when we've had the injuries throughout the season, uh, but it is huge. When, once you lose Kasha and Silverberg like that, you're you're, you're picking at anything that might work. So uh, it's going to take some really solid coaching from Carlisle to uh, get the best out of his players and get some goals in the net.
1: Leckard says uh, in the chat, he says cash is a guy who can create a team around, so losing him is very big. Um, I I think he I don't want to say that's a stretch. I think Andre Kasha is a very good player. Um, I think yeah. there's only a certain few players you can build a team around if you're saying yeah. this is the guy we need out of everybody and we're going to build a team around him. I think Andre Kasha is a very good player, and one bonus is that he can drive player in his own. I don't think he's at that level yet where if you had to pick any player on the Ducks, you say, I'm going to pick mm-hmm. him and create a team around him. I think there's a couple other guys you could say. Hampus Lindholm, obviously mm-hmm. John Gibson, Ricard mm-hmm. Raquel, I would argue. I don't think you should build a team around Ricard Raquel, but I would argue you could over Andre Kasha. But uh, he is still a big loss. The fact that we're considering that him being in that discussion with those guys mm-hmm. as someone to build a team around I think is important to note yeah. and how big of a part of this team he is. And hopefully mm-hmm. he comes back soon because he had some chemistry with Henrik and Richie. At times he could move up with Ryan Getzlaff. He He's one of those guys, just like Derek mm-hmm. Grant, where you can move up and down the lineup and he's effective no matter where he goes.
2: Yeah, if he stays healthy,
1: that's my biggest thing. Yeah. He's got
2: concussion problems already. He's He's been injured twice already this season. Uh, it's hard to – and when you say build around it, that means you're talking to him as a franchise player, and I, I wouldn't put him in that conversation, not yet for sure. Uh, Raquel, I also wouldn't really put in that. I'm very good and maybe close to it, but when you talk franchise players – that's Getzloff, in my opinion. That's uh, Gibson. That's Lindholm. Those are the guys that you would try and build around there. Yeah. Lindholm's even maybe a little bit of a stretch on that one, but uh, you know, kind of an under-the-radar franchise player, if you want to say that. But yeah. he's right there on the cusp. It's kind of like tier tier one is generational player, like your Matthews, your your uh, uh, McJesus's, and your Crosby's. And then you know there's franchise players like Getzloff. and um, you know you could even say Malkin's more of a franchise player versus a generational yeah. player. And right. then these guys are just under that really highly uh, talented, and you definitely want them on the team. You don't want to lose them, uh, but you don't really go. All right, we're putting all our eggs in this one basket, and this is the guy we need.
1: Yeah, and he he brings up his point. He said, well, I mean offensively because Raquel has looked inconsistent. Cash was pretty much the reason we made the playoffs in 20 points in 30 games. I think he can Mm -hmm. be our guy because of consistency for sure. Yeah, I and, yes. and I, I think I, I get what you mean. We we're picking it apart a little bit, just saying yeah. <laughs> I don't think you can build a team around him, but he is nonetheless invaluable to this team because what he brings and and I think consistency is a huge thing because we talk about how some of the ducks are very streaky, Ricard Raquel, Jakob Silverberg, they're they're very streaky scores, but Andre Casha just seems to be a guy. You know, he's not always going to put up multi-point games every now and then, but he just seems to not go a long stretch without putting the puck in the back of their net or at least creating some kind of offense. And the bonus with him is when even if he doesn't finish the game with a point, he's still generating offense and he still brings energy to whatever line he's on.
2: Yeah, and that's what we're really good at is if you have an opinion, we will pick it to death, especially if you're a fan of ours. We don't like it when when you have your own opinions. Don't do it. (laughs) <laughs> we'll just pick it apart and tell you no no no
1: <laughs> oh my um yeah. <laughs> let's uh let's get into troy terry because that's obviously the big news from this game comes up looks like a new player me and pat picked him apart a little bit in the last podcast because he, he not that he looked bad he looked pretty good but he was invisible at times but the confidence was definitely there um we just basically said that max jones looked like he was a little bit better and had a better game but Troy Terry still had a, a pretty solid game. But today, I mean, he came out and he showed everybody why he should be called up and why he should stick around. Great shot on the power play, very well positioned mm-hmm. shot, getting in position as well, and then the pass to Derek Grant was perfect. And he was just creating chances pretty much all night, so it, it was a great game from him. Max Jones had another very solid game. Didn't get on the score sheet, but with with Jones, I think the type of player he is, he does all the little things that you know the, that coaches love to see. And I think that you notice that a little bit more, especially if you're looking at that. And, and that's why you might think he had a better game. But Troy Terry, I mean, he was just uh, unstoppable tonight.
2: Yeah, he, he was in good shape. Uh, and yeah, to the point with uh, Max Jones, the one thing that he does that most players don't uh, is get to the, the front of the net. He doesn't have much fear of doing that. Uh, He's a big boy. uh, And uh, I kind of liken him a little bit to Kessler, but with more speed, a little bit more skill already. But the size and he doesn't mind getting in there. And you kind of I won't say be a past. I haven't really seen that portion of it yet. But I mean, uh, you know, if you're driving in the net, you're making yourself known. And it's a little bit more prevalent uh, than what Terry was doing the the last game. But this game was a Terry show. Good shot. Good pass, uh, all things you want from a rookie. Like you said, he he looks far more confident than he has uh, before. Even in the game, if he didn't have a goal, it didn't seem like he was out of place or lost or just you know making big mistakes. He just you know maybe didn't quite get all the opportunities you would expect, but he got the opportunities today and he capitalized. So that's what we want.
1: Yeah, and I'm wondering what they're they're going to decide to do because obviously that line has seen some chemistry, like we just talked about with Jones, Grant, and Terry. If he yeah. keeps producing, there's a, a question you could say is maybe they move uh, Troy Terry up to the top line. Because Devin Shore. I don't think he's going to be a staple on that top line. I think it was just kind of, hey, we're rewarding you for how you played last game. And we also mm-hmm. don't really have a lot of guys to move up in the lineup. And you know we'd like how Henrique Sprong and, and Richie play. And we'd like how uh, Grant, Terry, and Jones play. So you're the kind of the last guy we just throw up on there. And that's what they seem to do on that top line, is just throw whoever's left up with Getzlaff yeah. and Raquel and hope it works. But mm-hmm. if Troy Terry keeps producing, do you think he's better served to be on that top line with Getzlaff and Raquel where he's going to play more minutes, he's going to get more chances, or just keep whatever chemistry they have with Jones and Grant?
2: I'd rather, my opinion here,
1: I'd rather have more of a um,
2: – a hard nose player in there with Getzloff. Yeah, Getzloff can kind of set it up and things like that. But Raquel's kind of really the, the shooter of that line. When you got two shooters, uh, it, it, it can work, especially if they start clicking. Uh, then, then it is. But uh, Troy Terry played most of the, the start of the season on that top line. Had zero points to show for it. And the Ducks were actually winning at that point. We're winning huge. But it was kind of one of those things where he's he's been up there, he's, he's played there, but he hasn't had much success. Now, it's a different Troy Terry, so there's a chance on that one. Uh, I would still say, you know, keeping Shore in there, give that a chance because he's not afraid to go to the net. And sometimes you need a little bit of that havoc to let Raquel find a puck, you know, throw it up there and make everyone start worrying about, the hell's in front of the net you know they're worried about who's in front of the net or who's around the net and that could be sure and then what's getzloff going to do and then oh yeah we got the third guy over there crap forgot about raquel and then he might be a little bit more open maybe kind of get those goals going he had a goal last night you know uh, and that was the short short went to the front there was a poke check raquel picked it up and everyone was kind of out of the way and he was able to bury one so i think they want to see a little bit more of that willingness to go to the front of the net
1: I'm wondering about Max Jones, and, and uh, you know you're talking about a hard with that. yeah, hard nosed mm-hmm. player to put on that top line. Um, he's done that the last two games. he's he's been in everybody's face. He's just playing a physical, fast, skilled game. I think if they want to move Ricardo Raquel to the right wing, which I believe they did tonight to accommodate Devin Shore, moving Shore down to that line with Terry and and Grant and then moving Max Jones up and giving him a chance uh, with Ricard, Raquel, and Ryan Getzlov, I think out of everybody on this team, he's the one who could probably benefit the most because he complements that line perfectly, but he also has the skill, unlike you know, when we've seen Nick Ritchie get up there, Max Jones has the skill in the hands to actually be able to finish plays and set up plays, so I think if they ever want to do that, he could be the best fit out of anybody we've seen in a while to go with Ryan Getzlaff and Ricard Raquel.
2: Yeah, I mean, kind of
1: a la uh, Corey
2: Perry a little bit as far yeah. as, you know, not not quite that skill set just yet. He's still really, really young. It might it could develop into something like that. But the fact that he's, he's big, he's in there, and he still has soft hands around the net can really kind of, you know, pay dividends hopefully. And then, yeah, if you have that, I'd be very interested to see that happen. Uh, I just didn't want to throw him up there, hey, start producing now you're on the top line you better start producing type of deal you know that you know Troy Terry maybe kind of felt like oh you know I, I don't want to screw up on the top line and then you start maybe you know playing differently but uh, you know he's a smart kid down to earth too we've interviewed him before so I you know I'd be all for him getting that opportunity to play out there and see what could happen if you know Shore's still not quite making it happen. I feel he could compliment Troy Terry and Grant down you know, on the second or third line or whatever it is because uh, he's very similar in style to uh, Max Jones.
1: Yeah, for sure. I'm I, I'm really interested to see if they give him that opportunity. Uh, Sam Carrick is going to probably be the new addition with Justin Kloos. Uh I would assume he'd come out of the line. Not that he played bad tonight, but I think, why would you bring Sam Carrick up just to scratch him? They've done it before, but we'll have to see what happens tomorrow. They might just play Clues uh, tomorrow because it's a back-to-back game, and I'm, I'm assuming Sam Carrick is flying in from San mm-hmm. Diego to go in, and play in New York, and maybe that's not the best thing to get him there when he probably arrive tonight or, or tomorrow and have to throw mm-hmm. him into the game. Uh, is there anything else you want to touch on before we get to questions, or you just want to hop into it? Yeah, let's just hop into those questions. All right. So from Instagram, we had, uh, I believe this is Ricky, but it's a Star Wars episode is their their handle on uh, on Instagram. He said thoughts on the new power play number two line, which I believe uh, at least up front we already talked about it a bit. Was Jones, Shore, and Terry. I'm not sure who was else on the back end there, but at least just Lindholm was there. Lind, yeah, Lindholm,
2: Lindholm was uh, back there. Um, I don't know who the the other one was. The other defenseman, I guess, if it's a defenseman. I like it. Uh, it's weird. It was almost like uh, for a long time you had the, the number one power play unit, and you had Getzloff and uh, Raquel, and, you, and then it was like the second one was doing even better. And that's when you, you had Henrique and you had Richie out there, and uh, they, they were seeming to uh, find ways to be better than the top one. So I'm not sure you know, what the top power play unit's deal is, but the second one, a lot of those players end up having to go to the top line. So Richie is on the top line, Henrique, Getzloff is still there, Fowler's out there. So and I think probably Montour. And so I thought they, you know, they shifted. and that top line looked horrible. And the second one looked a lot better. They've changed a little bit of how they do the power play over the last few games. It's starting to kind of click a little bit better. They're kind of adopting more of the like Washington power play. Almost all teams do that now where you kind of have a little bit of a a rover in the middle. And if you look at it now, it used to be they, they, they do a lot of stuff on the outside. And they had a lot of um, they were talking about it pregame, a lot of right handed shots on the top power play. Uh, when you have right handed shots, everyone kind of gets a little handcuffed and you don't get to do one timers. Uh, and so they needed a little bit more of that, the left handed stuff. And that's what was starting to work with Richie and Henrik. Uh, but uh, they, I like that rover that's kind of in the middle because a lot of times yeah. I was watching New Jersey defender wasn't quite sure where to go because they're, they're kind of in front of the net where they, they think they should be they weren't quite sure if they should go get richie and leave that spot and then they had to worry about another guy who could be sneaking in behind and it creates a lot more of that confusion where you might be able to find an open guy so they, they seem to be tweaking it a little bit from what they used to be doing which is more of a perimeter try and get it to the point maybe have a guy just parked right in front and almost umbrella it a little bit more this one seems to be a little bit giving themselves more options and one timers so
1: yeah i liked the the way they set up because it it allowed it was it was kind of like in a diamond the way uh where troy terry was where he got out to that outside shooting angle and there they had the uh the lateral pass which we don't see too often that troy terry did to set up daniel sprung in the first place and i think that lateral pass over to sprung really kind of worried the New Jersey penalty kill, and it kind of split things up and opened the ice for the Ducks, and and that allowed Lindholm to find Terry on that side, and I think one thing that I like about that unit is they're shooting the puck. I mean, Troy Terry just shooting the puck from that spot. On that first unit, we usually see a guy try and make a pass, but that's what the first unit needs is somebody who's willing to shoot the puck, and even in the uh, interview they did with Troy Terry after the uh, the first period in the intermission, he was talking about how he learned he has to shoot the puck more on the power play, and that's what he's going to try and do, and I'd love to see him continue to get opportunities on that second unit if that's what he's going to do, because that's exactly mm-hmm. what they need, even on the first unit. This Ducks power play needs to shoot the puck, and they haven't been doing it.
2: They need to do it all over the place. I hope it's contagious. I just – I want everyone <laughs> to be infected with the idea of just – let's just shoot maybe just a little bit more because if you shoot and, you know, hopefully there's a rebound. But it, it makes defenses turn around. It makes – it can create confusion if there is a rebound. And there's a little bit more excitement. Once once they got that, you know, uh, the Troy Terry scoring and then when he scored his third goal, uh, it, it, it popped everything. Everyone got a little bit happy. It was no longer like, okay – We're not shooting a lot. We're not scoring a lot. Let's hope Gibby holds down and everyone's just really tentative. And then once you kind of get a lead and it opens up, you start playing a lot more loosely. You start making better decisions. It's not so tight and tentative. So that's kind of more of a broad thing. But it kind of started with that power play. Just put your head down. You know, not put your head down, but, you know, pick a spot and shoot. You know, good things will happen if you shoot.
1: Yeah, and, and uh, let's get the second question here, because Chad was on the same level as you. He said, damn, how many hits is Kloos going to take? Welcome to the <laughs> NHL. I really wish we could see how many uh, hits a guy's taken in a game, just uh, to go back and look. But i I spotted at least four or five times he got hit pretty hard.
2: I, I just remember it's like every time someone got blown up,
1: and it was like, it was like, oh, wait, Who's number
2: twenty? And they say Cluse Cluse is on the ground again. Did he take <laughs> Auberg's number? He did, didn't he? I think so. Yeah, he was number twenty. Yeah, because I was like, I was like, oh yeah, it's it used to be Auberg, so it has to be one of the new guys. Uh, so yeah, so he he ends up uh, yeah it was because I think Ryan Carter even tweeted it out um, before. Is like because uh, he was a for, you know teammate of Cluse. Before the trade, and he's like, uh oh, digging the numbers. Just surprised I hasn't retired that number yet, <laughs> which is kind of funny. But, uh, yeah, so yeah, he got blown up, and that's why I was surprised when the third period came around. They'd said he'd only played like three or four minutes. I'm like, really? I saw him blown up three times. You told me yeah. he played like three or four shifts, and he was getting just destroyed after that. And then he played a lot more in the third, you know, wasn't getting blown up, but, uh, yeah, he got. That was a rough second NHL game for him.
1: <laughs> he didn't have a, a bad game. He just didn't really stand out. I mean, it's not fourth a good line. thing. Yeah, yeah it's, not, it's not a great thing when you stand out for getting laid out a bunch of times in a game. But uh, yeah. I don't I don't expect him to stick around for a long time. I'm sure he'll go down and have some success in San Diego. And that's why he was brought into to the team, really, is to go down to the AHL and kind of cover for the fact yeah. that the Ducks have to call every, over everybody up. For like Terry, Jones, and Carrick, he's going to go down. For all the injuries, in. yeah. Yeah, exactly. So let's go over to Facebook and look at some of the questions there. Michael said, how good was Gibson in that second period? Uh, Godlike, like all year. <laughs> mm-hmm. just... Yeah,
2: I mean, yeah, it's it's fun when uh, you get to see kind of the best in the business just do their do their craft and do it so well, yeah. uh, even when, uh, you know, New Jersey or Minnesota would get chance after chance after chance. Just cool, calm, collected in the right spot, the right time, with the right save. Sometimes lucky, sometimes getting a shoulder and arm on it, and it's, it's he does all those little things so well in control. Um, his His uh, projection, which is how far out he challenges versus how far back on the line he is, he always seems to make the right decision on it. So he rarely is getting beat on side plays, but he's never rarely getting beat straight on unless, you know, he's a wide open Pratt and he buries top corner. But yeah, that second period was just uh, another one under the belt. I mean, it's just season, so far season in, season out, period in, period out. He's going to have to be that way because the Ducks really don't have much of a chance with uh, pretty much any other goalie in the league.
1: Yeah, if you want to hear pretty much all the talk you can get about John Gibson, check out yes. our latest interview uh, that Mean and Jason did with Paul Campbell. It's up on YouTube. Or no, sorry, it's up on Spreaker. It's not up on YouTube, but it's Spreaker, iTunes, Spotify. It's uploaded anywhere you find our podcast now except for YouTube. So go check it out there. It was great. It was about a 40-minute interview. Uh, most really of the good talk, stuff. Yeah, most yeah. of the talk was about John Gibson. We we talked about some just general goalie stuff as well, including uh, how David Rittich is doing in Calgary and how Carter Hart's Hart. doing in Philadelphia. Yeah. So it's a great interview. Uh, way to go, Paul, is his uh, handle on Twitter, Paul Campbell. He knows pretty much everything there is to know about goaltenders, so make sure you go check that out. For sure. Uh, so Dave Rodriguez on Facebook said, if Terry can continue to impress and possibly continue to put up points, don't you uh, don't you think that makes Silverberg even more expendable, more likely to be traded, despite Murray's comments about trying to resign him?
2: Uh, I mean, it doesn't hurt, but then again, this... It- We'd have to see a lot more of that, and right now, given that there's only a couple more games for an All Star break, and then their mandatory week off, that doesn't leave a whole lot of time between when they they get back and trade deadline time. So, yeah. I don't think it's necessarily that Troy Terry is going to be coming in, and even if he does well, that Murray's going to like. Oh, I got Troy Terry. I don't need Silverberg. I think Silverberg's still a talent that he'd like to possess on the lineup because uh, he was, you know, the, up there with uh, leading the Ducks in goal scoring. So it, you don't want to just necessarily get rid of it, but he's not going to resign him for, you know, oodles of money. Uh, he's going to look for a discount uh, if he can. And if he doesn't see that happening, I doubt he's going to just let him walk. And it also depends on the overall record for the Ducks. I think that's a bigger factor than what Terry's necessarily doing. Uh, but it's a nice nice little comfort thing to to know later on. I, I still got Terry, so we can yeah. you know, try and slide him into that role, I guess.
1: I, I think it helps a bit, uh, but I think the plan always was uh, to send Troy Terry back down once all these guys come back from injury because okay. you have to think that if Silverberg is day-to-day, if Andre Acacia doesn't have a long-term injury and with Patrick Eves on a conditioning loan, these guys are at least a week or two away from all coming back and slotting in on that right side, and That doesn't leave a lot of room for Troy Terry to remain in there when you still have Daniel Sprong who's going to slot in on the right and then you brought in Derek Grant and Devin Shore who are both going to play. And then if Ryan Kessler comes back in that time as well, you you would assume Max Jones probably gets sent back down. I, I think he's in there for now. And knowing you have that comfort, like you said, helps move a guy like Silverberg and think for the long-term future that Troy Terry can either come up after that if you need him or play full-time next season so I think it plays a little bit of a role in there but I don't think the plan was to bring up Troy Terry now and playing for the rest of the season because you've got all these guys who are going to come back at some point in the next couple weeks and that doesn't leave a lot of room for Troy Terry to remain in the lineup
2: yeah, and I don't want uh, people to. I think people get a negative connotation of uh, getting set down to San Diego as being this, you know a bad thing. If he did yeah. it, oh, it's because he's not producing. That's not necessarily it with young players. Uh, I mean look at how he was in the beginning. Uh and you know no points, ten games, you know. They they said, All right, listen, we're gonna send you down there. Went down there and, you know, he said himself. He's like, I am so worried about getting sent down. I went down at the time of my life, he got everything back, uh, he got voted into the all-star game in the AHL, comes back as a completely different player. I mean, that's proof positive, at least in some instances, where going down there and being the man and playing all those awesome offensive minutes kind of really build your confidence kind of get you a little bit more in the game and you know if he says he's having the time of his life he's not concerned if he gets put back down because he's going to go have fun again I mean that's that's what you want from a young player you don't want to put him up on a struggling team that's necessarily you know not going anywhere and see all the frustration hey go have fun you know we'll, you know, let's take a crack at this next year uh because this year's kind kind of a wash and we don't really necessarily need you because w- even if we go far in the regular season we're probably not going far in the playoffs so it's it's not a, a demotion necessarily. It's it's more of like, hey, this is going to be way more beneficial to you.
1: Yeah, it's that, and it's also the fact that he's waiver-exempt, and it's the easiest to send him down than to have to either trade another guy. Because you look at the Ducks roster right now, obviously Kloos is probably a guy who gets sent down, and Sam Carrick yeah. is a guy who would get sent back down when a guy coming back from injury. But then yeah. you're not going to scratch... Uh, Troy Terry you're not that, that just wouldn't make sense to have him scratched to replace yeah. where Sam Carrick was today and you're not okay. going to scratch Max Jones and since they both can easily just be sent back down that's usually why these younger players despite how well they're playing that's what happens that's par- a partial reason in some senses why Maxim Comtois was sent back down to junior because they have a lot of guys in this lineup already on the left side who there's nothing you can do with them you, unless you move them to a different team then you can't really do much there and There was other factors that played into that, including the fact that if he played one extra game, he would have been uh, exposed at the Seattle expansion draft, so that plays into it as well. But with these younger players, it's not always necessarily a bad thing. It doesn't mean they were sent down for a bad reason. It's just sometimes that's the easiest thing to do. We saw it all the time with Shade Theodore because he was waiver-exempt. Despite playing well, he was sent back down just because he was the only guy that could easily be moved up and down the lineup.
2: Yeah, exactly. If if you're if you're 28 years old and you you get set down, that has a, a much different yeah. meaning. If you're Schuster or Shen and you're getting set down, that that's more of a, a signal like, hey, you're not cutting it. You're, you're not good. This is you go down there and you know figure it out. But you know when you're young like this, it's more get down there, you know, work on things. This is what we want you to work on. And you've got a bright future. Just just keep working on your craft. And uh, we'll, we know we'll see you soon.
1: Um, so we got like a million questions on Fowler. So I'm going to leave those to the end uh,
0: and get <laughs> okay. to some
1: of the other ones because they're all pretty similar. So uh, Skidman Marks had two questions on Twitter. He said, so uh, so say Getz doesn't get another cup with the Ducks and possibly gets moved in the future. Does he get a jersey in the rafters?
2: I'd almost have to say yes um, yeah. because uh, uh, Korea – he, he didn't get a, a cup with uh, the Ducks. Uh, Getzloff did. Yeah, he wasn't a, a major factor at that time. Uh, but he's been the leader for so long. Uh, he's one of the premier passers in the game. I mean, this is a guy who's probably going to go to the Hall of Fame because he is dominant uh, from at least a, you know an assist standpoint, uh, quintessential power forward. Uh, I mean, this guy does does everything you want a, a captain and a top line center to do, Uh there's a lot of other factors into winning the cup. A lot of it tends to happen to be luck sometimes. Uh, but to be as as dominant as the Ducks have been, um, as far as how often they go to the postseason, how far they tend to go into the postseason a lot of times, uh, we're spoiled a little bit. And uh, you maybe once he's gone, you kind of go like, wow, he was actually really, really good. If you don't already think that, you should already think that if you don't. So I don't see... Um, how uh, you you couldn't really do that. And the way the Ducks are handing out jerseys, you know, to be retired at this rate, um, I don't see how that's uh, not one that also goes up there. They're going to start running out of numbers pretty soon, though.
1: Yeah, and you have to think, too, uh, he's not going to get traded on the current contract he's on. So he's here for the next two seasons. He's at 907 points in 960 games play. He's going to hit over 1,000 games with the Ducks. He's going to likely hit over 1,000 points while playing with the Ducks. That alone, right there, that will that will put him in in the lead in games played and in points in uh, franchise history for the Ducks. He has to go up. Then I mean, yeah. I think he he deserves to go up now, no matter what. Even if he his career ended tomorrow, he deserves to go up. But he he'll okay. pass Solani in games played uh, at the end of this season. He's only seven. I think five away now because he was six mm-hmm. away going into tonight's game. So he's, he'll be five away and then he is uh, 81 points away from Timo Solani, which is a, I, I think he can get two 40-point seasons under his belt over the next two, sure. two years and, and get past that. And if he gets to 50 50-point seasons, he gets to 1,000 points. So I think it's, yeah. it's a foregone conclusion that he'll be up there. The, the real mm-hmm. talking and question mark is going to be Corey Perry and whether Perry, he can get yeah. up there or not. But, I mean, I think he deserves it because he'll also likely get to 1,000 games with the Ducks. Probably won't reach 1,000 points. But he'll yeah. get up there where he'll probably finish third in points where he is right now. I don't know if he'll pass Getzloff yeah. and Solani. But, yeah, I, I think Getzloff's definitely a lock for that.
2: Yeah, for sure. Like I said, I mean, at, at that point, you're, you're talking about 8, 9, 15. I oh, don't know if you're going to throw 10 in there. You're running yeah. out of a lot of the, the the primary numbers that a lot of players tend to use. So, uh, yeah, it's you know that, that'll that be a decision for later. But uh, for Getzloff... Yeah. Yeah. In addition to that, too, it's just the fact that he's his whole career is with the Ducks, and he, you know, that that doesn't happen nearly as often as, as for as long as it has been. And yeah. for him to be a leadership for a leadership role for that long, it, that's amazing for one single franchise. And we're lucky enough that he's done it with us.
1: Exactly. Um, yeah. Another question from Skidmore Marks. He said, "What if we gave Jones and Terry a different center in Getz or uh, Henrique? Do we see a substantial drive in offensive production from them?" i mean why they got grant elite elite one they've got the number one center what
2: more Uh, do you want
1: (laughs) i I think that question like it 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 is logically yes because getzlaff and henrique are are more offensive players especially ryan getzlaff but it doesn't mean it will for sure there's there's obviously chemistry right now with derrick grant and uh, jones and terry and if you move uh, both of them up beside Ryan Getzlaf. There's no guarantee that where's, that's going to work out. Where right? we've seen guys move up with uh, the top line before, and and it's just nothing's happened. The the it's been a scoring drought on that top line. So logically, yeah. yes, but he, there's no guarantee.
2: Yeah, and then you got to think about where we're going to put Raquel. We're starting to demote his time and put him on a second and third line. Where's where's that going to lead for Raquel? Uh, Yeah, he's he's having a little bit of a rough go at this season. Um, You know, it's hard to be, you know, top level 30, 40 every year. Uh, So, you know, it's you got to consider how how much time you're going to take away from Raquel to give it to these guys who haven't really shown enough yet to to really kind of warrant that unless you're just tinkering around with chemistry on it. Uh, And it does take a little bit of something. It's not some, like you said, it's not someone that you can just plug in every time. Well, he'll be playing with Getzloff. I mean, how can they not do well? Uh, It takes a special, even though Getzloff's really good at making a lot of the players around him better, sometimes it's difficult when you're all of a sudden playing with someone that skill level to get the timing right, to, to make it all work. It doesn't, it's not a given every single time, like you said. So sometimes it takes a special kind of player to compliment someone like Getzloff. All
1: right. Let's, let's get into these, There's two questions uh, that I want to get to. Uh, The Fowler one has like four questions in it, so we'll get to that one real quick, and I'll just I'll read off all these questions for Fowler, and then we'll just go into a a discussion about (laughs) it. Uh, Ricky said, "Do you think it would be beneficial to scratch Fowler for all the defensive or the stupid defensive plays he's made?" Uh, Skid McMark said, "Does Fowler seem to be playing apprehensive because of the facial injury, or is there something else affecting his game?" And then on Facebook, Benoit said, last time you talked about a possible trade destination for Fowler, said Ducks need a scoring winger. So he did a little research and thought of three places uh, that he could Uh go. Chicago for Saad, Philadelphia for Connect Near Carolina, for Teufel Vine. And so just a general consensus. We'll do a discussion on, on Cam Fowler. What have you thought of his play lately? Because there's been a lot of criticism. And do you think Bob Murray would ever trade him? bob murray is
2: a, a defenseman when he played in the nhl and so he along with randy carlisle who plays defense big fans of defensemen um they they drafted fowler they've been grooming him to be in this position they just signed him to what eight years after this or yeah. six eight years that much like, uh that's not something that you usually go there's only about four teams i think he can go to i think is his uh his movement clause so you're really limited in where you can go and what you can get for it, and if that team even is interested in Fowler. Um, his play, as far as that goes, uh, I it, it hasn't been good this year. It's been sketchy over the last couple of seasons. He is a great skater, fluid skater. He hasn't made the greatest decisions. I feel a lot of the problem that he's had is uh, him and Manson uh, – do not play well together. It's just that that chemistry's off. They don't read each other very well and it's led to a lot of problems since he's come back from the injury. Yeah, I think he's a, he's a, di- a little bit different player. He's making a lot more mistakes than than he would before um and this game in particular like i said i I took two penalties he seemed to get frustrated with himself uh and plays that were happening so it's not the same cam fowler i've been used to seeing it's uh something where you can maybe start to get tired of his play and really at some point you're like hey wake up or you know what are we doing but this this whole season you could point out almost everybody and say hey wake up or this season's a a wash and i think we're in my opinion honestly i think this season's kind of already at that point but uh he's one of a a handful of you know one of many players i should say on the team that's really kind of struggled this season i don't know if that'll continue on past this uh it doesn't help having your face blown up by a puck uh that'll make anyone a little gun shy in what you're doing so uh it's you know we'll we'll see where it is i'm not ready to throw him under the bus or say you know he's, he's trade bait at this point it's just uh It's tough for him, and hopefully he gets better and kind of finds his game again.
1: Yeah, if if you trade Cam Fowler, you're going to want to get a a score in in back. A a top six score is what the Ducks are going to want to get in return. And then there's a couple factors that go into that. You have to either think that Josh Manson is, or not Josh Manson, Josh Mahura is going to be able to step up eventually and uh, either replace Cam Fowler or bring somewhat similar type game that Cam Fowler brings now, or. You have to think that the Ducks are going to be able to draft a player in, a, in the upcoming draft or so that is going to move into that role in two or three years. And, and that kind of goes into the last fan question we have from Chris on Twitter. He said, based around how you think the Ducks will finish this season, who do you think the Ducks should target in the first run of the draft? And I, I looked at some of the guys that they could get. And, you know, it depends where the Ducks finish. If they miss out on the playoffs, the way the draft is set up this year... If they finish top 10 or just 11 or 12, likely they're going to draft a forward. There's some very good forwards in that spot. Uh, A guy I already mentioned earlier this year who is, I I guess you could say, a Ryan Getzlaff clone in Saskatoon is is Kirby Dak. He's already 6'3", 182, playmaking center. He literally is like a carbon copy reprint of Ryan Getzlaff coming out of the WHL being a big playmaking center. If they get uh, if they finish in the top 10, going and getting a center, I think, is still the thing they'd need. They need somebody eventually to replace Ryan Getzlaff. If they finish outside and they, they make the playoffs or, or just outside, it from the bottom half of the draft, it's pretty much defensemen. That's mm-hmm. where things are trending at this point, and there's a lot of good left-handed defensemen. If you're looking to re- replace uh, Cam Fowler, that the Ducks could get in the first round, the Cam York is one. You could look at Philip Broberg as another one. There's a lot of different guys that the Ducks could go after and, and possibly replace them with. But it, we don't even know where they're going to finish right now because they're in that interesting range where they're not playing very good hockey, but they're still hanging on to a wild card spot. And sometimes that's you know we talked to you look at uh, the discussion that Bob Murray said last year. He Probably would have rather to finish where Florida did, just missing the playoffs by one point, than making the first round, because that means they picked, I think it was six picks lower than the Panthers did, and the Panthers ended up getting a really good player, and not to say the Ducks didn't in Isaac Lindstrom, but they had, would have had a chance to possibly get a better player, and you know, looking how they finished, getting swept in the first round probably would have been better to just miss and get a higher pick (laughs) oh yeah uh
2: yeah especially san jose that's not fun yeah i'm gonna defer to you on what who the young kids coming up are because i can't follow all of that stuff anyways but i mean another factor to maybe consider too is that even if the ducks you know aren't getting that top 10 or top 12 pick um, if they don't trade Silverberg and it doesn't look like they're going to re-sign him, that's a possibility where he's still an asset to actually trade at the deadline plus uh, one of their picks to go yeah. a little bit higher in the draft and get maybe that center. So if if Silverberg's not you know traded at the deadline, I wouldn't be surprised if that becomes something. The one thing that Bob Murray does really well a is drafting and scouting very well. Uh, the other thing is that he, that's where he's more likely to make trades. He doesn't like doing it at the trade deadline or leading up to it. He kind of tinkers around the edges, usually throughout the season, like you saw already with some of the moves he's made right now. But he doesn't make any blockbuster moves now. If he ever does anything like it, it's a trade. It's not a free agent signing. And he's more likely to do that at the draft. If he sees someone he really wants to get his hands on, he's usually pretty good at making things work in that way. So that's why the drafts are always fun usually with the Ducks to kind of see what might happen. That's that's where you'll see a lot more movement out of the Ducks.
1: Yeah, and, and to just answer this question, if I had to pick two names, if they missed the playoffs, I, I would hope they would draft Kirby Dock or Alex Newhook. If they they make the playoffs and finish lower, I'd go with a defenseman and probably go with Cam York. Um, so I think that's it. I think that's we, we hit all the fan questions. Uh, just yeah. a couple notes that we always have at the end of the show here. Oh, uh, and then I had one fun fact. Oh, right, your fun fact of, yeah. uh, of fun, the day. Yeah, fun fun
2: fact. Yeah, sorry, so I should have probably said, when you said, hey, is there anything else about this game you want to talk about, I should have said yes. Um, so, yeah, so uh, last season, as you might remember, we traded uh, Votnin for Adam Henrique, but we also traded and got Blancini in that trade. Blancini we just traded to get Derek Grant back. So now if you look back about a year later on that trade, for Votnin, we got Henrique and Derek Grant. So I think we won that trade. Uh, so maybe we yeah. got grant number one center yeah, grant, yeah, he and henry so and guess,
1: then yeah. what is he gonna do for us yeah maybe <laughs> uh oh i get. oh we forgot to go back to the islanders game really quick um oh, okay. uh, derek said his game be playing tomorrow i doubt it um yeah. but chad no, johnson's nope. gonna have to go in against the islanders who are probably gonna have robin Lehner. Um, tomorrow, tomorrow's going to be a tough game. That, that's pretty yeah. much the, the summation of that. It, the Islanders are surprisingly good this year. They have some great goaltenders, and their hottest goaltender, probably the hottest goaltender in the NHL besides John Gibson right now, is Robin Lehner, who will likely start for them tomorrow. Yeah. And who
2: knows? Uh, it may it may be Grice, because he just got a shutout of the Washington
1: Capitals just right. the other
2: day. So, yeah. I mean, he, he may, if he's already got a shutout, might play the hot hand and let him kind of stay in there. But, yeah, if not, it doesn't look good as far as the other goalie. Ducks have had, I think, a little bit more success against Lehner, but he's also been on Buffalo, so a lot of people are having success against him. And uh, yeah, I think you give Gibby that rest since it's two matinee games, which never happens, uh, especially back-to-back days. Uh, And then there's only one more game back at home against St. Louis before the All-Star break, so you probably rest Gibby, have him play home uh, against uh, St. Louis, and that has him enough rested, but not out of it that he can, you know, hopefully have a fun uh, All-Star break
1: too exactly so a couple things to wrap up the show if you haven't checked us out on twitch make sure you go check us out we're streaming some games there occasionally and uh, we're looking to do some other things there in the future Uh, probably doing a trade deadline live show um, that we're gonna probably do on twitch just because it's more user-friendly we've been asked to do a a live reaction uh, during one of the games that we might be doing we're thinking of that but just a lot of different things that we're doing on Twitch. There's been some requests to move the podcast over there. So we're still looking at the logistics of that. But make sure you go check it out at twitch.tv forevermighty. A lot of things yeah, coming yeah. there. And
2: follow uh, us on it. That's the key yes. one is trying to follow.
1: Yeah, because we're trying to hit uh, fifty to get to uh, affiliate, so it would make it a lot easier to bring the uh, the podcast over there. Um, as we mentioned earlier, me and Jason interviewed Paul Campbell from Ingle Magazine. That's up on uh, Spreaker, iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, pretty much everywhere except YouTube, which I'm going to eventually get it over there. Uh, Come so on, sure, Ed, make sure you check that <laughs> out. Uh, cool Hockey again sponsoring us. Thanks to them for doing Forever Mighty Three Stars. Make sure you check that out, 45 minutes before pucked up on Twitter. There's still a a fair amount of games left this month, so you have a good chance of getting caught up. I think last time before I updated it, uh, we had somebody in the lead with six points, and then a couple people trailing with four. So that's not too hard to make up that ground. And the winner at the end of the month, of course, gets a free jersey from Cool Hockey, fully customized, which is great. Um, right now they're Same. out of stock of the ducks third jerseys they're getting them they said in the middle of february so if you're looking to get one and you want to get one of the third jerseys you'll have to wait to then but you can use our code fm20 and get 20 off the jersey which is always nice uh, a cool 20 to 40 off the final total price of your jersey and last but certainly not least we just recorded a Patreon bonus episode, our top 10 coaching candidates for the Anaheim Ducks, plus Jason threw in a little special <laughs> top 10 of his own that I'm not going to give away because if you want to listen to it, go check it out on our Patreon. It's patreon.com slash mighty. This show is always going to be free, but if you like listening to us and you want to hear some bonus content, we do four bonus episodes a month over there, plus doing some exclusive interviews and some other giveaways as well.
2: Yeah, and you get uh, exclusive uh, access to us and talk to us so we uh, talk to a lot of our yes. patreons almost every day uh, and we're always kind of just you know uh, shooting around with them and uh, it's it's a good time uh, and you get to talk with other you know fans of us and you know a lot of them ducks fans and stuff like that so it's it's a good time for sure definitely worth it and all those bonus shows are way more free-flowing you get a lot more of our personalities a lot more chirping and uh, ball busting so it's uh, it's a good time
1: and Ricky brought up a good idea that we have to look into live reactions at, at the watch party for the next watch party we have just uh, oh, live a, I don't know we'll, we'll have to see but that, that, that's something that we have <laughs> it's to it's noisy that's that's tough yeah that'd be tough to do but anyway yeah. thanks for, for checking it out guys we'll be back tomorrow with the podcast for the Islanders game it won't be right after the game we're going to do an evening one for that one because it is Sunday it's a little bit easier for everybody to catch it later on in the evening plus just easier for us to record as well so likely 8 or 9 Pacific probably tomorrow, sometime around then. I'll, we'll update you on Twitter nonetheless on what's going to be going on with that. So thanks for coming out tonight, guys, and we'll catch you tomorrow. Bye, guys.